The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We're going to look at Luke 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to be seeing here this encounter with Jesus as he's starting to gather his first disciples, uh, most, infamous, most famously uh, of them, Peter, the, the disciple that everybody knows and that everybody loves to poke fun at and talk about. This is Peter becoming a disciple and several others around him. So let's look at Luke 5. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read our text. And then because we're so desperate for God's help, we're going to pray for God's help. And then we're going to look at this passage together. Okay? Is that everybody good with that? All right. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was passing, was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners on the other boat and came to come and help them. And they came and filled they filled with both boats, so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, "Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." And when he and all the other all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Let's let's pray and ask God for his help. Fathers, we, we look at this life of Jesus as we look at what Jesus is doing here. We ask you would help us. We ask you would help us to know and understand your word and to... Enjoy the goodness of Jesus together. In his name we pray. Amen. So I don't know if you've ever felt uh, one-upped. Have you ever sat around like a dinner table where uh, you tell a story and then somebody else tells a story and you're trying to like, you know, tell the, the, the worst story, you know, like oh, one time I broke my leg when I was hiking. Oh, one time I broke both my legs while I was hiking and then I had to crawl out of, you know, that sort of thing. Um, there's this comedian who talks about, you know, having, you know, astronauts have like the best one-up stories where like, you know, I, you know, I climbed to the top of Mount Everest. Oh yeah, well, I've been to the moon. You know, like that type of like that one-upmanship. Uh, there was recently this story uh, in the news about how uh, Tiger Woods had just opened a new um, golf course for kids and the first kid gets up and this, little, this 11-year-old boy in the first tee off for the golf course was a hole in one. You know, here he is in the presence of in the Tiger Woods, who's you know obviously one of the best golfers ever, and he hits a hole in one with the first tee off of the first game, uh, first tee at this golf course. You know, kind of one ups Tiger Woods, um, <laughs> but this whole idea of one upmanship. And the re- reason I bring this idea up is when you read this story of Jesus kind of showing up and telling a bunch of fishermen, "Hey, why don't you go throw your nets out? You, even though you've been fishing all night." throw your nets out in the middle of this ocean and 
they get this huge catch of fish, it can kind of feel like miracle stories with Jesus like this are like one-ups. You know, like Jesus might just be showing off. He might just kind of be, you know, yeah, I know you guys kind of think you got things under control, but when we one-up you. Like that's, that's kind of the sense we can kind of get from these miracle stories with Jesus. Like, it's like what does this mean, Jesus? What are you doing? So is that what's going on here? As we're, we're seeing Jesus, who uh, is a carpenter by trade, who is beginning to get a little bit of a following. People are starting to, to tweet about him, are starting to write blogs about what he's teaching, are starting to you know, spread the word. Um, is this Jesus uh, just kind of showing up in this fisherman village and just saying, like, oh, you guys think you know how to do fish. Why well, created them? And we gather him in. Like, is that what's going on? Is he kind of doing a one-upmanship? I I don't think so, uh, because I think ultimately what we're going to see in this story here is this interaction between Peter, and in Peter we are going to see the life of faith that we are all called to. This what it means to be a disciple. This in this small interaction with Peter, I think, is going to show us. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to love him? And I think ultimately within that, we're going to see this, this reality that, uh, that to encounter Jesus, to encounter who Jesus is and to understand who he is, to encounter Jesus is to trust him for everything in your life. To, to encounter Jesus, to see him for who he is, is to trust him for everything in your life. Now, I know that that might seem kind of like, well, this is all about fish and you know, leaving everything and following him. How are we going to see that? So at the heart of this is this reality of trusting Jesus, of Peter's response to who Jesus is, seeing Jesus display his power for who he is, and then responding and leaving everything to follow Jesus. And so I think, while we might think this is a one-upmanship kind of thing, this is Jesus displaying who he is for us to see. And in Peter's response to him, we're going to see this call to trust him and to leave everything to follow Jesus, to, to, to believe in him, to rest in him, to know him. And so I think what we're talking about here is at the heart of the Christian faith, we're just talking about faith, right? I mean, if we're talking about leaving everything, if we're trusting Jesus, I think we're talking about his faith, right? It seems like the way Peter responds, there's some sort of faith going on of, I don't know what Jesus is all about, but to believe anything about him is to, to have faith in him in some degree. And so what we're going to see here is this reality of faith. And so if we're going to be seeing that to encounter Jesus is to trust him with everything in our lives, we're going to be talking about faith. And so I'm not like a, an overly ornate preacher. <laughs> we're just going to divide this passage right in half. As you're going to look at the first half, we're just going to see the call of faith. Um, so this is going to be all the interactions leading up to Peter throwing the nets out into the water. And then we're going to see in the second half, we're going to see the blessing of faith. We're going to see how does Jesus respond to Peter? What is it about Jesus that makes faith a blessing? Or what is it about faith that gets blessing? So let's look at the first half of this passage, verses 1 through 5. And I'm just going to read this again because this, this story, I think, begins to impact, impact us and affect us in ways that we just begin to kind of mull over it. So, the call of faith. So, here's Jesus. He's just done these miracles. He's you know, cast out a demon. He has uh, healed the sick in the area. And then Luke tells us, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, 
He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, and the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking to Simon, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I let down the nets. So, so here's a scene. Here's what's going on. Jesus is teaching, and people are starting to get the street cred and starting to get the word. Jesus is teaching in a way that nobody's ever heard. He's teaching with the power of the Spirit. He's teaching God's word in ways that are, that are bringing people to love Jesus, to know him, to want to hear more of what he's got to say. He's talking about who God is, this gracious God who brings people into himself. So Jesus is gaining popularity, and then he's kind of, you know, walking along the side of the, you can kind of always get a picture of this. He's walking along the side of the ocean or the sea, and people are, you can almost kind of wonder if Jesus keeps stepping into the water. Like he's kind of, he's kind of crushed in by all these people, crushing in to kind of hear who he is, what's going on, what he's teaching. He can't get like above the crowd to kind of talk to them so people can hear him. So here he is walking along the side of the, the sea, and, uh, the cool thing, I think, is that Jesus is here in the middle of all this like commerce going on. I mean, you can almost kind of get the sense of, like, is this really like that wise? Like, Jesus is walking in the middle of all these fishermen who are cleaning their nets. So, you know, here he is in the middle of, could you imagine, like, you know, walking down, you know, I, I worked at UPS for a little bit. Could you imagine walking down the middle of UPS while everything's going on? Like, yeah, I know you guys are trying to get boxes on the, on the buses, but uh, I'm, I'm talking about, about who God is. And you're kind of walking in the middle of all this commerce that's going on. So here's Jesus kind of walking in the middle of all this talking about God, and needs to get a sense of like being able to get up and talk to people. So here's these two boats, and he gets into the boat. And now what's interesting is that you might kind of think like, oh, it's, you know, he just needs like a pulpit. Well, actually what happens is when Jesus is getting up into the boat, he's, he's utilizing this kind of new technology of the day where if you got up into a boat and you were over the water, it actually like amplified your voice. So he was able to like use this new technology of like amplifying his voice so that people could hear him. Um, and kind of get a little bit of a breathing space, you know, of like all these people like crushing in on him, and here he stands up into the boat. The water amplifies his voice, and so he's able to talk and teach to people. And yet, amidst all of that, here it, it, we don't get any sense of like what Jesus actually is saying. Like, just says, teaching the word of God, teaching about the kingdom of God. So we can just assume that's all of our Old Testament. He's talking about the goodness and great uh, kindness of God and the goodness of God from the Old Testament. But what we do get is this small interaction. So Luke zeroes in from all these people who are crushing in on Jesus. He zeroes in from this great group of people into this one interaction between Jesus and Peter. So here's Jesus talking to, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to a conference, but you can imagine, like, it's kind of cool to see a guy up on the conference stage and, like, wow, he's talking to everybody. Like, he's, everybody's listening to him. Luke does not care about recording all of that. Luke does care about this interaction between Jesus and his fisherman, Peter. And so here's Jesus engaging with Peter, and he is having this one-on-one with Peter on Peter's turf. I mean, you have to understand, like, by talking to Peter and saying, Peter, here, uh, I know this is your boat, um, you're the master of this boat, but uh, can you get in and kind of push me out? So here's Peter's presumably beside Jesus while he's teaching, and Peter interacts, uh, Jesus interacts with Peter on his own turf and gives this kind of like ridiculous moment of like, it seems a bit ridiculous of, 
look, I know you guys are cleaning up from a bad day of work. You think that everything's not gone well, but uh, Peter, would you just would you just kind of go out into the into the deep again? I know you've been out there all night. Let's go out there again and throw out the, the net into the water. Now, the reason I'm going over all this is kind of lead up to this. This is a bit of a ridiculous situation where Jesus is clearly like a carpenter. Like he grew up a carpenter's son. He's a carpenter by trade. Um, you know, he's a blue-collar guy talking to another blue-collar guy and you know, talking, telling him what to do. Like, in your trade, you're the master of this boat. You own this industry. Go out into the middle of this lake and throw out your nets into the water uh, because uh, even though it's the middle of the day, the unopportune time, everything does not make sense. This is when I think you should go and throw out your, your nets. Like it's, it's like uh, it would be like somebody who owns a fencing company and saying, you know what, let's go and set up a fence in the middle of the winter last year. Remember when we had like the eight feet of snow? Like this is not the time where you go and dig up fences, dig up the ground to put fences in. This is the time to go do that. So Jesus is doing this, I think, I think what Jesus is doing here is setting up the context for Peter's faith to come out, to call Peter to faith. Because if this is, everything does not make sense of what Jesus is asking Peter to do, except the only difference is that Jesus is there. It's Jesus' presence that changes the context. Jesus himself changes the entire situation. It's it's often this reality of things don't really seem any different for Peter. Or in our lives, uh, things, the moment of, of coming to Jesus, things don't really seem like the, the situation doesn't seem to change, except that Jesus is now there. The situation that's changing is that Jesus is there, and Jesus is calling on him to say, you know what, I know that things don't make sense, but because I'm here, things are going to change. The change factor is that Jesus is present. And what Peter does is he says, well, you know, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. And I don't know if you hear faith in that, but I do hear just a little seed of faith in what Peter says to Jesus. I think what I hear in Peter, Peter's response there in verse 5, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. He says, Master, just to kind of indicate, okay, there's a, Jesus, you are, you're different in some way that I don't understand. And we toiled all night. Like, we, we've been there, done that. We've been there, done that. This hasn't worked out. But because you say so, you know, Master, I, I'm not sure I understand you. I know you can heal and all this stuff. I'm not sure I understand this. But you're different enough that I'm going to, I'm going to act on this and and I don't know, I don't know what that elicits for you or what you see here, but I, the call to faith here often does not seem, uh, the, the, the call to trust in Jesus, I think we often want to make it into like this big event of like, I was in the gutter and then a heavenly light came out and I suddenly saw God and trusted Him. But the, the reality is that most of our stories of trusting in Jesus and, and knowing God are, are small steps along the way. There's a small little, I see Jesus clear, I see him for who he is. There's something about him that I like, that I want to know. There's this, this, it's not like a profound moment of change for Peter. It's just this moment of, 
everything is, is the same as it was last night, but now Jesus is here, and there's something about him that I want to know, that I want to obey, that I want to trust in. I, I think that that gives us a, a little bit of hope that if you're exploring Jesus or are interested in Jesus, the call to Jesus is not, you know, have this huge pep rally and everything in your life suddenly changes. Nothing in Peter's life at this moment has changed. But Jesus is there. Jesus is present. And he's seeing something about Jesus that we're going to see that changes the way he wants to respond. And I, I think if you are exploring Jesus or if you're exploring Christianity, the, the call here is not to embrace all of, um, all of the things about religion that off-put you. Like if there are things about Jesus or about the church that just, that, that just have this, you know, maybe you have been hurt by the church or maybe you have been hurt by people who are Christians or you do see the, the unjust things that people have done in the name of Jesus and you think, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, if you're, if you're responding to the call of Jesus or you hear us talking about Jesus or the church and you think, I don't want anything to do with those people who are, do dumb things. What Jesus is calling you to here is not, not to those things. He's calling you to see who he is. He's calling you just to engage in a moment of conversation with who he is, to see who he is, rather than be concerned with those things. Because I think we're going to see that Jesus... Jesus is, is loving towards those moments of just, I want to see who he is. I want to know him. And so in this, and so in this environment that Jesus is creating with Peter, this small interaction, this call to faith is really more about Jesus makes the difference of the situation. And so what we're going to see now, we're going to turn to this latter half, the second half of the passage, is the blessing of faith verses 6 through 11, because I think this is where the payoff, this is where the, this is where the, the, the meat of the passage, this is where the juice of the, of the passage is at. So verse 6, the blessing of faith, starting in verse 6, and when, he, when they had done this, so they obeyed Jesus, they went out and they went out in the middle of the ocean, or the middle of the sea, and threw out their nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So these nets that they had just been cleaning, had just been washing off from cleaning up from a hard day's, hard night's work that didn't work out. These nets are now breaking. They signal to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And so they're bringing other people. Look, this is, so, this is the biggest catch we've ever had. They're bringing them in to come help them. And they, be, uh, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So you can imagine, Master, we've been out there and there's nothing. Now suddenly... All the fish, probably from the whole lake, seem to have all showed up. And when Peter saw it, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So those are, that's not only Peter, who's Simon Peter, but then James and John, who later became apostles as well. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had, heard, when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. So here is this miracle. So Peter starts out by saying, Master, we've been out there, been there, done that, didn't work out. Miracle happens, and now suddenly 
Peter changes his tune. He goes from saying, Master, things didn't work out to Lord. He goes from saying, Master, things didn't work out to seeing that everything that what Jesus can do at the, at the power of his word. And he responds with, Oh my gosh, Lord. Oh Lord, please have mercy on me. Please go away. I don't want any, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve to be near you. Lord, he goes from saying master to Lord, which I think indicates that Peter's faith goes from being a small inkling to understanding who, who Jesus is to a clearer, not a full, but a clearer picture of who Jesus is. He doesn't, I don't think he sees Jesus. I don't think here, you know, we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, uh, the second person of the Trinity, God in flesh, uh, died for our sins, risen from the grave. I don't think that Peter is saying, Lord, with all that in mind. But he does see, if a guy can call fish that have not been out there when we were doing our master's work of fishing, to be in one spot during the middle of the day when they would be, the fish would be sleeping, middle of the day to bring all those fish and be overflowing two boats, this is probably a power I don't want to mess with. Like, you know, just probably thinking like, okay, I don't know who you are, but if you can command the fish, there's something about you that's unique. There's something about you that is God. There's something about you that I do not need to be near because what I think is going on in Peter's mind, which it's weird, don't you think, that he sees all these fish come into the, the boat and his response is a, is a moral category. Like, it's not like, oh, wow, Jesus, like, that was like a pretty neat trick you did. He, his response is, all these fish, God, I'm a, I'm a sinner. And it's this weird, like, you know, he goes to, like, this moral category. And I think what's going on in Peter's mind here is if you can command the creation to obey your will, then I, who have broken God's will, am in big trouble. I think it's just he's recognizing if you can command creation, I'm a creature, I've broken God's law, no matter how good I am, I've broken God's law, I do not want to be near this. Oh Lord, he says, please, please depart from me. And I, I think that what we see here in Jesus' response, I have been fed for countless hours this week from this little verse. In verse 10, Jesus says to Peter, in all of this context, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So, here is Peter who has stood by and was working while Jesus was teaching. Here is Peter who said, Master, when Jesus was God in the flesh. Here is Peter who's misunderstood who Jesus is, but still had an inkling of faith, a, a small seed of faith, a small understanding of who he is. And Jesus, in response to this, does not say, well, it's about time. I mean, if you ever, have you ever had somebody who's like misunderstood you and you just get so frustrated where you're like, no, that's not, I, I'm not trying to say that. You know, or like when you get, you know, I don't know, maybe this only happens in our marriage, but you know, when you start becoming defensive over being misunderstood or anything of like, I, uh, you, know, you, you, could, you could fill hours of being defensive about who you are and what you're about uh, with the person you love the most <laughs> or the friends you love the most. You know, we become defensive when it comes to, like, people misunderstanding us. And yet here is Jesus to Peter, who has misunderstood Jesus. And Jesus is no fool. He knows that Peter's going to go on to misunderstand him. But here is Jesus responding to Peter's faith. Do not be afraid. 
do not fear, do not be afraid. You, he recognize, Peter recognizes that Jesus could crush him in an instant. And yet Jesus says, I, you, you see who I am. You're beginning to understand my goodness. You're beginning to understand my power. But, but do not be afraid, because Jesus, Jesus is gracious. His love for us, he loves weak, weary, stupid, and stubborn people, which is everybody in this room. We all are just incredibly in need of God's mercy and kindness, and we don't have to wrangle it out of his hands. You see, Peter didn't even ask for grace. He actually asked Jesus, go away. But Jesus continues to pursue Peter. He continues to press into Peter. He begins to go nearer to Peter. He pulls Peter in. He pulls you nearer to him. Because he says to you, do not be afraid. I'm a God who loves faith, who blesses faith. You see, the blessing of faith isn't because of how good your faith is. The blessing of faith is because the gift of faith that we, we see him God, God blesses that. He moves in. He loves to, loves to be near people who don't see him fully, but they know that they know enough to say, I need you, Jesus. Because Jesus is the difference. Jesus is the one who makes all the difference about your faith. Jesus is the one who responds with love and compassion because Jesus is the one who sees that you, you are weak. You are broken. You are needy. You do not see Jesus fully for who he is. Even, even John, who's mentioned here, is going to go on to see Jesus raised from the dead, and he's going to see Jesus, a picture of Jesus coming in glory, and he's going to fall down and see at the, at the, at the sight of what Jesus is like in heaven. And that Jesus, even to John, to Peter, to you, says, don't be afraid. My power that controls the universe my power that upholds the breath that you're breathing right now, my power that sustains your life, my power that even upholds you when you're breaking my law, my power that upholds you even when you're disobeying God. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm the type of Jesus that has compassion on broken and needy and weary people. I'm the kind of God that loves to be near you, even in the midst of your trials and suffering, even in the midst of your rebellion, even in the midst of your disobedience. He's the kind of Jesus who loves to sit next to you and to, to draw you into himself. I think that's, you see this kind of a, a picture of this over uh, just Luke 17, where Jesus is talking about the faith, about uh, faith again. And he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he uses this little picture because the, the apostles said to the, to the Lord, that they recognize he's Lord now, so they're, they're, they said to the Lord, increase, your, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. You see, mulberry trees can grow to be like 80 feet tall, huge trees. They can last for like 100, 200 or 300 years. But Jesus makes all the difference. It's not, it's not your special faith that changes the situation. It's Jesus. It's the, the object of your faith. It is the goodness of who Jesus is that changes the situation. So yeah, having faith like a mustard seed, having this little faith to see who Jesus is, it changes the situation, not because of who you are and the specialness of your faith, because Jesus is that good. Jesus is that powerful. Jesus is that great. He's the one who changes the situation. 
Jesus makes all the difference. And I think, I think the payoff for some of this is for those of us who feel like we have weak faith. We don't, we don't respond really well to trial. We don't respond really well when things don't go our way. We doubt and question God's goodness. Maybe you question your own salvation. Maybe you wonder if you're a Christian every day. Maybe you wonder if God is, yeah, he was kind to me yesterday, but is he going to be kind to me today? See, all these anxieties that we experience in our life as Christians, I think they meet, when we, when we bring them to this text, when we bring them to this Jesus, and we, and we want to say, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if I want to believe in you. I don't know if I trust you. We come to this passage, and we find a Jesus who says to us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I love, I, I love you. I care about you. I know that your faith is weak. I know that the struggles seem daunting and they will never go away. I know that you feel like you are never changing. I know that you feel like the problems that you had 10 years ago are still the problems you have today. That Jesus says to us, do not, do not be afraid. He has compassion on us. He is gracious. And I... Ultimately, the reason that Jesus can be this gracious, not only is he like this as he is, but his graciousness, he looks at Peter and says, okay, Peter, all these ways that you feel like you are a sinner and separated from God, I have in view the solution. Jesus has in view, even here, by the side of the sea, with all these fish overflowing the bowl, he has in view the cross where he will die for all the sin that has that does rightly separate Peter from Jesus. All the things that do rightly separate Peter from God's goodness that should cause fear in all of our hearts because of the power of God. Jesus has in view here his ultimate compassion for us, his ultimate graciousness to us, his ultimate goodness to us in his own death for us where he took the full wrath of God for the sins that Peter confesses, for the sins in your life. He took the full wrath of God. So he has that in view where he will deal with that wrath of God that we deserve so that he could give full, abounding, good, generous blessing upon our lives, so that, like we see in this picture here, all these fish overflowing the sea, that's not saying, okay, trust in Jesus and your bank account's going to overflow. It does mean trust in Jesus and your soul will overflow with the goodness and blessing and goodness of God. He will be near you. And then what Peter goes on to see with Jesus is that not only does this Jesus just see, Jesus, not only does Jesus see Peter where he's at, okay, do not be afraid. But Jesus goes on to say, from now on you will be catching men. Now we could turn this into a, you know, a mission sermon and be like, all right, to the ends of the earth, here we go. But what Jesus is just saying, you're not disqualified for being weak. You're not disqualified from, God's, from God using you for being broken and needy. God uses weak, helpless, silly people like Peter, silly Peter, people like me and you, he uses our, our meager little faith to go and use, to spread more about Jesus, to be used by God, to be, to be a means of God's love to our neighbors. So we're at 45 Canton Street, the people right across the street from us who just moved in. God's calling us, even though we are a weak people, even though I am a weak and sinful man, God says to me, do not be afraid. I will use you. I will, I will not only just acknowledge your faith, I will not only bless your faith, I will not only give you myself in your faith, I will use you as a tool in my hands to bring other people to faith. 
he is using Peter to spread the word of Jesus, to be a means of God's reaching the ends of the earth. Because this, this word that's used here, go on fishing, you will, from now on you will be catching men. That word, we've been going through the book of Acts in our small groups and on Tuesday and Thursday nights. That's the word that gets used on and on through the book of Acts for the enfolding, for the bringing in of more people to know Jesus. It's, so this is, so we've been looking at Acts, and so we've seen the fulfillment of this promise, but this is the beginning of the promise, and this is the beginning of the promise in God's life, this is the beginning of God's promise for you to, to enter, to encounter Jesus, is to trust Him for everything in your life, because Jesus is sufficient. Jesus' sufficiency will make all the trials that you face, all the pain, all the struggle, He, he can handle it. He can bless it. He can... He can bring His grace into your life. So do you wonder if God can use you? Do you wonder if your life has any value to it? Do you wonder if these small, seemingly unimportant decisions that you make or seemingly mundane life that you live can be used by God? To encounter Jesus is to trust Him for everything in your life because He has the power. He has the grace. He has the the love for you that can turn everything in your life from a mundane fisherman's job to spread more of His fame, to bring more people to know Him, to enjoy who He is. You see, we're invited in this passage to not only receive the compassion of Jesus and to enjoy His graciousness to us and to see His mercy and goodness, but we're invited to trust Him because He, for all of your life, for all that you have in front of you, whatever this week ahead, to encounter Jesus is to trust Him for everything in your life because of who He is and that we see His his compassion and goodness to us. So I hope that you see with me here that this isn't just kind of like a one-upmanship trick. This isn't just kind of like a one-upmanship thing that Jesus is doing. It's actually, it's a display of his character. It's a display of his person. It's a, it's a further revealing of what it's like to know Jesus, of who he is. Because to encounter him is to want to, to, want to trust him with everything in your life because of how gracious he is to us and how, how strong he is to uphold our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are gracious to us and that we do not need to be afraid. We ask that as we encounter you, Jesus, that we would trust you with everything in our lives because of who you are, because of your power and goodness. I ask you to continue to be with us as we we worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.